What's up, rugby fans? It's Scott here at the Safa Pod. A little bit later on, we'll be joined by former Stormers, Bulls, and current Canon Eagles fullback, SP Marais. But before then, I'd like to welcome in my co-host. He's the one man I had to invite along for the ride when I decided to do this, my good friend, Keegan Hall. How are you, mate? I'm all good, man. Good morning, guys. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever the hell you are in the world. Uh, welcome back to the Safa Pod. Happy to be here. Happy to offer some information on South African rugby and obviously try and have the best guests we can. Um, dude, I'm good. I'm good. It's starting to get a bit chilly here in Cape Town, to be honest. Like, it's not bloody cool hell. It is in Scotland. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I think I it's, it's it's all of about six degrees today. So um, I'm not. I'm I'm no. not even going to ask you how warm it is there. Steaks, you made a promise that you weren't going to drink over the weekend. Was that a promise that came true, or were there uh, was there past no, I think I think you could count it as a non-drinking weekend. Okay, I had a busy day Friday. Got a lot of work done. I actually took my laptop to the restaurants. To be fair, to do a bit of extra work on a Friday. That wasn't night. the question. The question was, did you <laughs> did you not have a drink over the weekend? <laughs> okay i might have had four beers on friday <laughs> but i didn't go out so i didn't have any more to drink and then i dipped the saturday plans to get work done and so yeah i think that's a pretty much a non-drinking weekend and by the way the waiter spilt my fourth beer all over me so technically i only had three and a half <laughs> right 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 i think my my weekend was maybe slightly more boozeful than yours as you'll know from the uh from from the uh exchanges over whatsapp but i um, don't know if, if that quite counts seeing as you, you're working did you manage to, to catch any other games over the weekend i mean looking at the pumas province game i'm not sure if you managed to watch it but province kind of proved us wrong there and pushed the pumas really really close the late penalty being being the difference the final score on that one was pumas 25 province 24 yeah, I, I didn't actually end up watching too much rugby this weekend, but I made sure to go watch all the highlights, uh, do a bit of research and that. And geez, man, what a game. What an arm wrestle between Pumas and Province. Super exciting. And the and the finishes as well from the wings, the sort of uh, grubbers through, uh, the crossfield kicks. It's, it's it's super exciting. And I think the the first episode where we sort of mentioned, like, you know, is Curry Cup sort of like, like losing a bit of interest and stuff like that. But honestly... Watching games like that just makes you realize like Curry Cup just is not going anywhere. It's an absolutely thrilling competition to watch no matter no, no matter what, if there's no, you know, major current Springbok players playing in it for now, obviously they'll join a, a little bit later. But man, what an exciting, exciting game that was, to be honest. And um, yeah, just, just uh, unfortunately for us, Puma sort of snuck it at the end there. But oh, pleasure, yeah. pleasure to watch those highlights. And I mean, who who do you think will be kicking themselves more? Province, who, who kind of failed to capitalize when when there was 13 men on the pitch for, for the Pumas for an extended period, or the Pumas just not being clinical enough because they had quite a few chances, but just didn't execute in certain periods. Yeah, I, I definitely think Province sort of kicking themselves, um, to be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, Pumas have only lost one game so far this season and uh, hey, a win's a win no matter what, you know, it tastes yeah. just as good whether it's uh, 50 points or if you just get it, you know, um, win's a win. So I think, yeah, Province will definitely be kicking themselves a bit. 
Talking about kind of slightly more surprising results, that one obviously not going Provinces way, but one that did go the way of the Sharks, Cheetahs v Sharks over the weekend. The Sharks came up with what I felt was a, a slightly surprising result against the Cheetahs. They went 17-0 up um, and fought off a, a really late comeback from the home side. Ended up winning that one 24-17. They always say defense wins championships and the Sharks looked really desperate in, in defense for once. It's a shame that that doesn't pull through to the URC side, but what was your thoughts on on that game as a whole? Yeah, I definitely think uh, Sharks seemed like they were in the driver's seat for majority of the game, especially through the first half. Um, obviously, we had a bit of a comeback there from the Cheetahs. And then, as you said, like sort of just holding on right at the end there. Uh, it's it's definitely definitely a, a good game from, from Sharks. But, I, I mean, look, yeah, I want to just sort of into like inject a little bit of um excitement that I've been noticing out of the cheetahs camp. Is that Mafura, man? Like he's looking unreal. He's, he's, he's a he's a very exciting player that I mean not many people would have heard from him unless you're a diehard cheetahs fan or you watch a lot of curry cup rugby. But he's sort of always been from what I've seen like a fringe player played for the Pumas a little bit obviously was with last year's Pumas winning um winning side. And now playing for the Cheetahs, I mean, he scored that hat tr- uh, that hat trick not too long ago. I think it was a week or two ago. And I mean, even just just the way he's playing and and sort of that running rugby, that exciting rugby, spotting the gaps and super quick, very strong on the ball. Unfortunately, was wasn't able to score that try at the end uh, for for the Cheetahs um, against the Sharks. But very exciting player, and I'm I'm quite eager to see if he somewhat maybe transfers to a different team or um, gets involved in in more you know higher level rugby rugby leagues and that but quite eager and keen to see sort of what he does I mean he's only 27 still pretty young so he, he seems like he's progressing pretty nicely I reckon if he's not snapped up by one of the the slightly bigger South African unions there's, there's very much especially with the the, the cheaters having played in the um challenge cup during the the uh there's definitely going to be eyes on him and, and I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him heading over to, to the likes of a France or a Japan. Um, I was really impressed by, by one player of the Sharks, actually talking of impressive players. And that was James Fenter who really led from the front and he may well need to fill the enormous gap that's been left by Sia Khaleesi, depending on the extent of his injury. As we know, or what we've been told is that he's been for two scans. It's partial ACL tear. He's probably going to need surgery, which puts him out for the rest of the year. And the real question is, who fills that gap on a leadership front in terms of the spring box? And who fills that gap at open side? Because I don't think there's one player that's set to fill his role in terms of leadership and and being a fantastic open side. Yeah, I think um, in terms of leadership, I mean, I mean, you're probably looking at potentially a Dwayne Vermeulen if he's sort of fit enough and really playing good rugby uh, that he can, I mean, he, he's a great leader. Obviously you don't have, um, potentially don't have Irvin there, which was sort of that second choice um, uh, captain. But I mean, you also have uh, URC winning captain uh, just recently, the South African Shield winning captain, Stephen Kitsoff as well. That's uh, that's potentially a good option. So it's, we, we, we have options. Obviously it would be great to sort of have Sia Khaleesi there. But I mean, I was also thinking, if you're thinking about a rugby brain and a good leader on the field, someone who's maybe lacks the sort of 
fiery nature of a, of a captain and sort of motivating the boys, but but that calm demeanor with just super intelligence when it comes to rugby is potentially a look on your arm. Yeah, I mean, Lacanio Arm was obviously the Sharks captain pre pre Khaleesi joining there. Um, and the other thing I would say is somebody like Andre Pollard. Pollard's usually co captain with with Khaleesi, so mm. I'm I'm a firm believer in your captain being one of your forwards, and if it's not one of your forwards, it being a, a nine or a ten. I think somebody who's slightly further out onto the pitch, whether that be at outside center, outside backs. Though usually it's it's slightly more difficult to to control the game and also control your players. Whereas when you're in and amongst it, you you can usually get a lot of messaging across the pitch. Don't know about your thoughts on that. I think if I was choosing, it would be actually I'd I'd love to I'd love I think Dwayne's probably the best suit for captain, but I don't think he's the best number eight. Mm. As we said last week, I wonder if they bring Jasper Visa in at eight, replace open side with somebody like Aquaha Smith slightly smaller in terms of open side, but a great fetcher. And that allows you to have Malcolm Marks coming off bench and then having Pollard in a, a, as captain. Then if Pollard goes off, you've then got the ability to replace Jasper Visa with a Dwayne Famila and, and Dwayne coming on and then being captain at that point. Scott Moore for Springbok captain. I mean, coach. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start a petition. <laughs> um, with that, with the other the weekend's results, um, the Bulls versus the Lions, the Bulls continued with it. They're winning momentum, which is concerning from a province perspective um, because we've obviously got them this weekend in Curry Cup, but then the following week in the quarterfinals. They beat the Lions 30-19. to 19. The Lions put up a, a valiant effort and really brought it up front, but the Bulls never looked out of control, especially with uh, Mornay staying at 10. As the famous saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So what was your your thoughts on that? Yeah, pretty much just Bulls um, being in control of the game and sort of, uh, I mean, when it comes to Curry Cup or the URC team, it just seems like they're really clicking at the moment, which is obviously very scary. And we'll we'll definitely get into the Bulls game against Leinster. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very scary. I mean, it's great if you're a Bulls fan, and uh, that's they're, they're playing good rugby at the moment, which is really nice to see. Very clinical, very structured, still, sort of still able to play that nice running rugby as well and good bunch of forwards. So very good Bulls team at the moment, which is always great to see. Big shout out to a, a guy by the name of Charlie Ewells, who is actually an England international who couldn't um, play for Bath this year or continue playing for Bath because they no longer had any money left in their salary cap. He was supposed to come to the Stormers, but apparently they just couldn't get a deal done. Um, and he's managed to, to end up playing for the Bulls at, at Curry Cup level. Um, and he actually looked quite good. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Exact same injury that happened to Sia Khaleesi. So was ACL, although I think his was a full tear and, and Khaleesi's is obviously a partial. 300 days he's not played rugby and, and he's come back and, and slotted in for the Bulls quite nicely. So um, he'd be a very exciting guest to, to, to have on and maybe we can make that happen. Um, with the uh, the final game of the weekend, Grick was v, v the Griffins. Um, game went exactly the the way we thought it would, with the home side proving too good for the Griffins, forty two to twenty seven. I think the scoreline probably flatters the Griffins slightly. It's a little bit of a mauling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know what? It seems like the Griffins are just getting numbers put on the board against them, but at the same time, it's never really a high score to like three points or seven points. They definitely, I think, just end up 
I mean, when it starts becoming a runaway, the other teams sort of just start playing loose and Griffin sort of find those opportunities to score a few sneaky tries. And I mean, when you see the first the score of the winning team, you think, oh my gosh, they got pumped, you know? But yeah. then you sort of see their score line and you're like, ah, it's, it's not like as bad as what it, what it seems and that, you know? It's just obviously they're just not a team that's uh, going to really, you know, sort of be at the top spots in that for now. You never know in the future, but uh, they, they, they definitely do have a couple of exciting moments in their games and stuff. But obviously, uh, Grick was sort of just running away with that one. Talking about exciting, a game that didn't necessarily excite me that much over the weekend was the Stormers-Benetton game. Um, obviously, the Stormers winning the, the South African Shield, which is great. They ended up being too good for Benetton, but just not clinical enough if, if they want to lift that trophy again. Line out and place kicking concerns are, are probably the, the main headlines from that one. There's also a large injury concern given the potential severe injuries that they now have at both lock and wing. John Dobson's kind of described that as the, the winner's expensive, which I think is saying a lot. Your thoughts from, from that one? Yeah, it's it's doesn't seem like the the Stormers team that's been playing the the whole year. We've obviously had two disappointing, um, yeah, two disappointing results, and then obviously this one we were able to. I mean, you messaged me sort of. I didn't. I wasn't able to catch the game, but you messaged me <laughs> that we we're down, and I was like, "No ways is this happening," you know. But ma- managed to get the the score back and uh, show a bit of grit and and at least lift the trophy on a winning match after a winning match. But it just seems, you know, when we when we're going up against the Bulls in the quarterfinals and they are red hot at the moment, very very scary to sort of be going into that game on. Uh, I wouldn't say terrible form, but very average form, you know, and just dropping. Um, two games and then this one as well. It's yeah, there, there obviously needs to be something done. Hopefully, in these next two weeks, um, old Dobby's doing some some wonders with the team and brings them together. And we sort of just show that uh, Stormers grit that they always do. You know, pulling together and just coming out with these uh, with these wins and results against really stacked teams and really good teams and that. So hopefully, hopefully for our sake, it works out that way. And I think the other thing to, to mention from that game, firstly, shout out to, to Holly Davidson, who controlled the game really, really well as a ref. But mm. um, one of the, the the talking points from that was Ivan Rus maybe losing his head a little bit, trying to trying to prove something coming back. He's just come off come off quite a long injury layover. You've then only got the last two games that he's played, game and a half really, and then the ULC quarters, hopefully a semi and then a final. So not got a lot of time to impress the bot coaches at, ahead of the, the rugby championship. Don't know if you managed to see it. He essentially got in and behind one of the uh, the Benetton players coming out of a rock and smashed his head into the ground. And with everything happening with um, kind of the 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 head HIA process and, and protecting head injuries, you do wonder if he's going to get cited. What might come of that? I think he was potentially potentially lucky he got away with the yellow with the trend that we're seeing around the, the head and the neck area. And you do wonder if if a different ref would have would have given a red on the day. Yeah, exactly. I didn't actually end up seeing the the incident, but it is uh it is true. There's a lot of times where you sort of see these outcomes where players are yellow carded or red carded and you see it and you 
sort of one like you know they sort of like slip down into the tackle but at the end of the day the rules are stringent they are there they're in place set in stone any sort of head collision or contact to the head is you you get penalized and and carded for it you know so it's it's just the rules and as much as you know you got to play the game hard you just got to keep your head on your your shoulders as well and just keep that in mind because i mean at the end of the day yeah, it's 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 a yellow card, a red card, or whatever. You you do silly things. I mean, you're le- you're letting your team down at the end of the day, and and potentially if you want to be a Springbok um, player as well and be on that field, you got to be able to keep your cool. Discipline wins games. You know, when you're giving out penalties and you're getting cards and that, it's just not a good look, and it's just not good for the team. You make your your uphill battles so much worse uh, when that when that happens. So yeah, definitely something you need to be a bit more sort of focused on yeah and i think that it'll be interesting to see how he how he comes along if he does play in, in the quarter and does does double start him ideally i'd like to see dion free achieve a and 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 uh evan russ in the back row because that for me was was obviously the winning back row last year and i think it's got a really nice balance to it yeah now we've discussed this before but there's definitely concerns around the way the sharks are playing at the moment They've have had glimpses of magic, but they're just unable to put together a full 80 minutes. And they've made their lives really difficult with the winner of the Bulls versus the Stormers game, the only likely South African team, in my opinion, to survive the semis. Because now they've got to go away to Leinster and beat them there, which without Yeben, without Khaleesi, and potentially without Kerwin Bosch, who's also potentially injured, could be quite a difficult one. Yeah, I think it's uh that that was the one game I sort of uh, caught the end of. Just the very disappointing. I mean, they managed to hold on at the end, but very disappointing with the side they have to sort of go up. What was it like, nineteen nil or or something like that, um, and just sort of lose it. You know, they only scored three points in the whole of the second half. Is is very very disappointing. I mean, there was sort of a contra a controversial try that I saw. Uh, Swiss the brain sort of talking about um, whether that's uh, you know sort of touch and go or if it is blatantly sort of against the rules and the the TMO and the refs needed to be better in the situation the fact remains is when you go up so much and you've got a star-studded team you shouldn't have to rely on complaining about a controversial try that sort of keeps you in the Heineken Cup or not you, you just need to perform better and just hold on to those games and you know, just just win the games. You know, you can never, never should leave a, a result up to the ref at the end of the day. And it's just very disappointing sort of seeing Sharks have such a good team, but just not performing. Yeah, and I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they go against Leinster, but I'm, I'm not holding up much hope. And uh, talking about hope, bit of a, a, a hopeless season from Zebre. Um, Dead rubber against the Lions, unable to make it through to the quarters now. Some lovely running rugby from the Lions, though, and, and a great send-off for their stalwart Yaka uh, Creel, who was there when they were, were were riding high during the the Super Rugby seasons where they they made it to two finals in a row. So it's a shout-out to him. But the game of the, the weekend from a South African perspective was certainly the Bulls versus Leinster. The Bulls looked ruthless in their 62-7 thrashing of Leinster, which was the biggest defeat in Leinster's history. Ulrich Lowe looked menacing on the carry. Moody and Arantza are unstoppable out wide. 
the entire game was just the highlights package. What, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, unreal. Run away. <laughs> just absolute runaway game. And again, like I say, it is terrifying. Talk about holding on hope uh, with the Sharks. I'm holding on hope with the Stormers, mate. Bloody hell. The, the Bulls just seem to have come alive just recently. And, you know, I, I was watching sort of the, the guys speaking about it and saying, like, how many um current or or ex uh, springbok players they have in the bulls and sort of showcasing that like do do they really need to shop around that much they've got a great side to be honest and judging by these performances they they could do extremely extremely well i mean to be fair sort of stormers winning and being from cape town sort of overshadows them them last season but Let's not forget that they made the final. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a good team, and as much as they were sort of like up and down in the Heineken Cup, uh, the the URC they they're not looking too shabby, and they've they've finished this season bloody bloody well. So it's going to be very very scary. I mean, I'm a Stormers boy through and through, and I want to see them win it. But at the end of the day, if a Bulls goes and wins the URC, absolutely no problem with it. As long as the South African team is lifting that cup, that is the main thing. That's exactly it. And I suppose what a lot of Stormers fans forget with rose tinted glasses is the Bulls had to go away, beat Leinster away, and then come to Cape Town the following week and then beat us. Yeah. If you're thinking about that, it's it's a bit like England versus the All Blacks in the World Cup. England played their final against the All Blacks in the World Cup and then came through in the final week and, and were slightly more flat. I think the same thing happened to the Bulls. Would we have beat Leinster away? My heart says yes. My head says no. So it, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Do the Bulls then beat the Stormers over the weekend? It's not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. Go on to the semis and, and do the double against Leinster in one year. Yeah. There's something There's something sweet in that. The question I had for you, Steve, is if Hurson's form continues and Lubbock drops off as it has been, do the bot coaches look at taking Kherson into the rugby champs instead of Lubbock? Given the fact that Pollard is playing so well, what 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 do you think? What, what's kind of your your thoughts on that? I think at the end of the day, whoever's performing is performing. You know what I mean? I mean, they'll they'll probably end up maybe picking both of them for the for the whole squad, and then obviously closer to the time, sort of give a couple of guys opportunities off the bench or or something like that. Get get Pollard his his. Uh, hours on the field or minutes on the field in and sort of see what happens from there. But I mean, absolute huge Lebok fan this season, what he's done, obviously a little bit fallen off the last few weeks. Um, this, this last game was, was pretty good. You sort of saw glimmers of him um, coming back to his, to his original form and that, but yeah, I mean, if, if Lebok's dropping, dropping games and he's um, missing kicks, I don't see why Hurson doesn't put his hand up and and take that second string flower of jersey. And I suppose talking about kicking, there's one man that that knows a lot about it. He's slotted plenty of points for for multiple teams, and he's he's absolutely flying over in the Japanese League One. So let's let's have a quick word now with SP Murray. So we're stoked to be joined by former Sharks, Bulls and Stormers player, the current Cannon Evil Eagles fullback, Sorrel Petrus Mare, better known as SP. SP, how are you, mate? I'm very well. Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to have a chat with you guys. 
Um, mate, congratulations are in order. Obviously, your current club that I mentioned there, the Cannon Eagles, have made it into the playoffs of the Japanese League One. Um, that's for the first time, I believe. How are you and the boys feeling about the playoffs and, and were there some big celebrations afterwards? Yeah, um, obviously, I'm very I'm very stoked for the Cannon Eagles to qualify for the playoffs. It's the first time in their history. So when I joined them about four years ago, um, the whole goal and the whole plan was to be in this position we are now. So I just think it's a lot of hard work that that was put in that's that's paying off now. But obviously, I mean, we haven't made the juice yet. We still have to work that out. But I mean, um, yeah, it's it's I'm happy for the club. Um, I, I'm happy for the players as well because I mean, I think a lot of people actually misjudge how bloody hard it is playing and how bloody hard it, how how much work you actually put in. So um, yeah, I'm I'm stoked for the club. I'm stoked for the for the fans, and I'm stoked for the players as well. Um, obviously, we've got a a, a three week break now, um, so I think that's um, it's ample time to obviously prepare well and 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 focus on what we should do for the playoffs. And unfortunately, once unfortunately, but I mean to make the mountain even better, we're playing one of the best teams in the league for the past few years. I mean, if I think if my facts are correct, I think they lost about two weeks ago for the first time, first time. since 18, since 28, since 21 December 2018. So I mean, Panasonic is a mean team. They they've got very good players. So it's it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be a nice battle. So looking forward to it. Obviously, you are definitely someone that has had experience in playoffs and that and big playoff games. What is sort of obviously well going with the team? You sort of structured. You you go through whatever the coach is thinking about, and each team has their own sort of uh, way to prepare for these big playoff games. But sort of what is your mentality during the the build up to these playoff games when you aren't on the field? How are you preparing? Are you sort of just completely blocking out social media? Does life sort of like be put on hold do you still continue your your usual things like golfing or like going outdoors and that like what is sort of your way of sort of focusing on the game but potentially not over focusing and getting stressed out about it what's sort of your routine oh that's that's quite an interesting question um i haven't had, had, had that one before um i think if if i could i think it's about to keep the to, to keep it simple i mean it doesn't it's not to make it bigger than what the what it is um if i can if i can say that so for this week we've we've got a bit of an off week so for me it's about i mean we had 16 weeks continuously every week in playing every week in training and i mean we had i mean the the, the difference here is we've had a pre-season since september so you have about a three months of preseason, so normally, like in the URC, you have about three, uh, like six weeks preseason in Super Rugby back in the day. I mean, we had about six weeks, five weeks preseason. So yeah, you have three months, and it's week in, week out. You basically only rest Sunday. So I mean, since September up until now, we've been going properly at it. So for me, I think this week for me, it's just about relaxing a bit. Um, my body is quite bruised, to be honest. Um, so it is a little bit proper busted up, to be honest. So for me, for this week, it's just about relaxing, um, you know, taking like a mental break in the sense of like switching off. Um, I'm quite good at switching on and switching off. 
Um, I think that's I think that comes with experience a little bit. Um, and then yeah, if Monday comes again, then obviously I'll start doing everything that made me play well in the season and continue doing those small things. And those I think those small things are the are the things that makes the biggest difference at the end of the day, whether you play well or not. And it's like being very disciplined in doing those small things um on a continuous basis, not just now because you feel like it. I mean, this is not just something you do now, it's something you've been doing for I mean, almost 20 weeks, 25 weeks going on. So, yeah, I think I'll reset this week. It's just basically just to switch off a bit and just relax, take a completely mental break uh, from everything up until now. And then when Monday hits again, then obviously I'll start going, gymming hard again, training hard again, doing the small things. And um, I mean, yeah, when it comes to playoff games, um, I'm fortunate to have a little bit of experience when it comes to that. And I mean, playoff games can go anywhere. It can go anyway. So it's about doing the small things well. And I mean, it's little margins that 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 either wins you the game or costs you the game. It's as simple as that. And tell me, uh, obviously, awesome. you've got the, 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 the kind of three-week break and, and you've got this full week off. Do you try not to go too hard in that that first week of training and and almost ramp it up so that when you get to the to get to the game you're 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 really really well prepared and you've not pushed your body too hard so you're well rested or is it a case of come a week from now it's full on and and that's you straight back into it and and that's it until the game time because obviously you as you're saying you've had that that really long period of playing and training so do you try and balance the 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 hard training with a bit of rest too um yeah obviously recovery is is pivotal i mean it's it's how you recover that makes you able to train the monday or the tuesday so i mean um no, I, I don't think i don't think it's time to take your foot off the pedal uh for me personally i feel it's actually time to to put your foot on the pedal if i can say that because i mean this is what we trained for this is what we wanted this is where we wanted to be so we wanted to be in this position. We wanted to be in the playoffs. So, I mean, um, obviously we want to win this thing. It's not a case of just being there competing and give it um, holding tackle bags or something like that, if I can say it in that uh, metaphor. So, I mean, um, for me, it's again about restarting Monday, going hard at it, going, putting, pushing my body again. I mean, when the season's finished, then I'll recover, then I'll rest. That's that's a different story for a different day. So, I mean, it's like doing the small things well, and um, you know, like I said, I've I've got a good routine going here. So, I mean, it's about just continuously doing those small things on a regular basis and sticking to what's been working till now, so that when match day comes, you're obviously at your pivotal point of peaking. And there's a there's a real South African influence running through the Cannon Eagles at the moment, with yourself, after Clark, Jesse Creel being regular starters. What it's been what's it been like playing with those boys? And are they as good on the field as they are off it, and and vice versa? Yeah, um, I think I think um, at at Cannon we've we've definitely got a very good uh, South African influence. I mean, uh, CJ van der Linde is on the coaching staff. Um, so we've got Warren Adams, who's also been with the Springboks, who's our conditioner. Um, then I've got, uh, Kobus van Dijk, who's loose forward, used to play with me at the Stormers. 
And I mean, obviously, JC and Faf in there as well. And I mean, um, I think for, 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 for us, I mean, what they bring to the side is definitely a lot of experience. And I mean, after training these guys, actually, they, they, they put a lot of emphasis on uh, like doing uh, short skills, short type of stuff. And you can see Faf really working with the nines, trying to help improve their um, general knowledge of the game, like in what situations, what to do where. Uh, Jesse as well, you know, working with the centers, doing passing skills, doing a little bit of those, those small things um afterwards i mean me personally i go and i work with my back three uh we discuss you know def uh, uh defense attacking positions those type of small things so um we really also try i mean we really try and feed back into the system because at the end of the day if those guys are better they make you better so i mean it's as simple as that yeah i think um my sort of understanding about J uh japan especially with regards to the professional baseball league there, it's absolutely massive and wildly popular. But I've sort of seen um, a lot of the professional players and even down to like under 10s, like the, the kids and that, they are just absolute like robots and machines when it comes to preparation, training and getting better at the sport that they're playing. Obviously, Japanese rugby has grown immensely over the last few years, especially that sort of uh, heartbreaking result for the Springboks back in, uh, I think it was 2015. Um, what is sort of the, obviously there's a huge influence with overseas players and overseas coaching coming in. And I can only imagine their, their brain is just an absolute absolute sponge uh, listening to you guys and all the overseas players what is sort of their work ethic as as Japanese players and Japanese coaches are they very stringent um very um prepared and sort of sort of having everything lined up and um how how is that sort of um aspect of it so are they yeah so, so sorry I can't really think of the word right now but are they are they super like to the point and very very robotic for for lack of better word when it comes no, to their training regimes uh, i won't i won't um to be to be to be honest i've actually got a japanese coach and from all the coaches i've worked with he's probably by far the guy i've learned the most when it comes to attacking rugby and he's like he was like um his name is keskai and he was like Eddie Jones understudy. So while Eddie Jones was in Japan, they worked at Santori for a very long while. And he was working with Eddie Jones. And he like worked with him for, for, for quite a long while. So working with him, I must say, it's actually, it's grown my game as well. Um, because I think, I think that, I think it's, a, it's um, especially for us foreigners coming to Japan, the pressure is a lot higher on you than you actually anticipated. Um, because I mean, I am I'm basically a product that's bought, and you need this product to perform at all times, every single day, all year round. When you year, it's not a case of I mean, this machine can't break. Um, there can't be uh, uh, what's the breakdowns or anything like that. You need to be switched on. You need to be ready and geared and like that. Um, when it comes to their work ethic, they are very dedicated. Like they are very dedicated to what they do. They are quite fanatic in that sense. And I mean, since since us, I mean, I think 
I think I'm very privileged and, and lucky to come here on the right time because I came here during the 2019 World Cup. And the 2019 World Cup for Japan just completely flipped the game in the sense of making it popular and everybody is like very into it. And the, and the fans are truly, truly um, astonishing in their, in their own way. I, mean, I must say they, they, are, they are proper diehard fans. I mean, it's almost like the English Premiership when it comes to the Oaks sticking to their team. So I, I must say it's it's very, um, what's, the, what's the correct word? It's like, it's very nice to experience it as well. I mean, in South Africa, it, it, it's, I mean, the fans are diehard, but I mean, it's like, it's a completely different um, experience in that sense. So, I mean, when it comes to the, to, to the general work ethic and everything, I must say, it, they, they put in the odd yards. They, they are very dedicated to their craft and they're always keen on bettering themselves and getting better on the little things. That's why they, they put a lot of emphasis to do like skills and type of stuff after training. And um, our our schedule with our Japanese coach is actually like, it's, it's really, it's proper. Like I, I love it. I think 90% of, not 90, 99% of the players love it as well. Because we go in, we've, we we work our asses off, go get stuck in, and you're done. So yeah, I, longer rest period in that sense, you get a longer period to recover. But when you're in there, you're in there and you get stuck in, you gym, you do your work, you train on the field, you do everything like you should. But I mean, it's coming, work out, boom, done, recover. So I, I mean... I think that the, the main question for me would be, I think there's a massive misconception around the the, the 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 league in Japan. I think a lot of a lot of South African fans have got this this conception that you guys bugger yeah. off and and you go make a massive payday and and you don't play very much rugby, which is obviously completely incorrect. Anybody who's watched any of the full games will be able to tell you that it is physical, it's fast paced. What would you say is the the biggest difference between having come from that super rugby background to um, League One, w- would you say it was actually a bit of a step up? Was it about the same? Um, I, I do, I do feel the world in general really completely misjudges the Japanese league and how tough it really is. Because I mean, a lot of times in the outside backs, I'll have a wing opposite me, and he's about one hundred and twenty kgs, and you know, it's big boys. It's they don't mess around here. I mean, obviously. You've got a lot of island influence from Samoa, Tonga, Fiji. I mean, a lot of the boys are are yeah, and I mean, it's 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 physical, but I mean, it's very quick. I mean, like, I've I've played a game where we played Santori, which is a club I mentioned earlier. They're also in the playoffs, and I mean, our bowling. I'm not I'm not factually correct in what the URC's bowling play now is, but I mean, if I'm correct. Back in the day, factually, playing super rugby, our ball in play was 31 minutes. 31 to 33 minutes. That was max. Curry Cup in South Africa, a few years back, they said ball in play was 26 minutes. Now, our ball in play here is between 35 to 42 minutes. So it's very quick. It's, it's go, go, go. And I mean, it's like a lot of turnovers. And it's just continuously going. So, I mean, you have to actually be fitter on this side. I, I mean, it's difficult It's difficult to say that. I won't say that other teams are not that fit, but you actually become extremely fit here. 
because the game is so quick. It's physical. But, I mean, I think the biggest difference between the Japanese top league and the Super Rugby or other competitions I've played in is is maybe like the set pieces are a little bit better in URC and that because it's so it's because they put a lot of emphasis on the scrums and the lineouts and that. Whereas yeah, it's a lot more like I always joke, it's it's proper fray start rugby back in the day. It's not white, white, you know, it just goes. So um yeah, I mean it's 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 I think you, you actually misjudge at at how how difficult the league is here because I mean you've got the world's best players that come here. It's not just I mean, there's obviously not 20 of them in, in a team, but I mean, the guys that come here are on the top of the game and top of the world in their positions. So, I mean, you still get to compete at a, at a very high level. And I, I actually feel like um, the, the Japanese top league actually deserves a lot more credit than, than what, is, what it's getting. Yeah, that's that's like some pretty amazing insight, to be honest, with the the Japanese league. I mean, coming from someone where I've, I've always sort of just seen it and heard about it, but never actually really dive deep. And I feel uh, exactly like Scott says, a lot of South Africans wouldn't have done that, you know. So it's actually absolutely amazing that we're getting all this insights and this information and what it's actually like in the Japanese uh, league and that. My question is... There was obviously that story about uh, 2019, the Springboks were there, um, Japanese fans were very welcoming, very friendly, until the Springboks had to play Japan. So my question is, you mentioned diehard fans. How are the opposing fans when you guys go play away games? They're very respectful. There's no like banter or anything like that 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 you would experience, for instance, if you had to play in Australia in Super Rugby or anything like that um they're very respectful they i mean they they yeah i mean that it's not it's not a case of they'll like you know give you horns or give you stuff or whatever i mean they they're very respectful in that manner i mean they 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 appreciate you and your craft and what you do so i mean a lot of times you'll get the opposition teams obviously coming and saying hey can you please have a photo or stuff like that so i mean in, in that sense, it's 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 actually yeah, it's quite um, refreshing to to see it in that way. And um, yeah, SP, tell me, you obviously started your career playing at I think it was Paul Boys, and then NWU. You then went on to to join the Leopards. You ended your career in the Cape, where where both myself and Steve's are from. Before you moved to Japan. In terms of highlights of your career, would you say your, your your career in Japan's the highlight, or is there something else that stands out in terms of a, a full on highlight? Yeah, um, I'm. Th- I think my my story is a little bit longer than what what normal players would go through. So um, I didn't play rugby in standard nine on matric. Also, didn't play in my first year. I only started playing again in my second year, and then I played for Boerland. And from Boerland, um, I got an opportunity to go to Puck, where I obviously grabbed that. And I, I had to op- obviously, at that time, it was about exposure and playing. So obviously, I had to take the very long route um, a- around. But I mean, um, I think if I look back at it, I think everything served its own purpose for that time and period where I was. Um, I mean, everything... Um, was special in its own way. I mean, my time at the Sharks were very special. I mean, the other day, 
I mean, yeah, I had a conversation with Kuba van Dijk the other day, and his um, his his brother and his family came and visited him. And I mean, back in that day, I said, I mean, I played Super Rugby where I played a semi-finals, and we played the Crusaders in Christchurch. And I mean, if I go through the team that they had, it's it's, it's ridiculous. But if I go through the team I had, it's also insane. I mean, I had Beast, Bismarck, Yanni, I had Peter Steff, I had Marcel Kutsia, John Deisel, Willem Alberts, Ryan Kankowski, um, Anton Bresler, I had Kobus Reinach, Pat Lambie, Luazium Vovo, JP Peterson on the one wing. I had Franz Stein at 12 and I had Paul, Paul Jordan at 13. So, I mean, that in its own was was sick. But then if you look at the Crusaders again, they, they had, they had uh, Maitland was still there. Um, they had Robbie Fruin that was there. Um, Ryan Crotty was at 12. Dan Carter, Andy Ellis, uh, Kieran Reed, uh, They had McCaw, um, Whitelock. They had Somerville. Um, I mean, so that in its own, I mean, was ridiculous if you go through the name. So, I mean... Everything serves its own purpose um, with that. So, I mean, obviously back then I was a little bit younger and it was obviously an insane experience for me to to, to play with that, those type of caliber of players. Now, myself and Steaks are obviously big Stormers and Province fans and uh, you'll know exactly which try I'm going to ask you about now. But uh, one of my favorite all-time tries happened on the 8th of April, 2017 against the Chiefs. Dylan Lades with a, an unbelievable assist off the ground. Colby had obviously kicked it through just before that. And you with the the, the great handset to take that pass and, and finish it off. What are your memories of that try? And is, is, is it something where at the end of it, it you, while, while it was happening, did you go, this is going to look unreal? Or was it only once you'd, you'd watched it back? Yeah, um, I mean, if I if I have to really like think back to how everything played out, I think the only thing I thought about was running a proper supportive line in assisting Dylan. Um, I think after I scored it, I actually like when I scored, I actually like got up for a second. I was like, what just happened? Because I because the Chiefs scored a sick try, like sick, like proper before earlier in the game, like in the first half. And I mean, I was like at the back defending and I was literally like going like, like a rabbit. And I mean, they were just all floating here doing that. I mean, it was like, I, I, I didn't know where to go. So that try in itself was ridiculous. But I mean, I just remember um, it was a defensive scrum almost on our 22. And obviously I defend on the behind, between the wing and the 13. So I was a little bit further back and Dylan was opposite me and Cheslin was that side. And I don't know if Cheslin like read it properly because we had like a defensive system back then where our, our wing would actually leave the behind the pod and come in at first receiver and the nine will go in behind to cover the kick space so that we actually have another player joining the defensive line. So Cheslin went in and obviously read the play quite well, got the intercept and he just kicked it through and Dylan was already going and I just knew I had to run a supportive line just from the back. So I just started cantering as quickly as I can to run a supportive line because I just saw that they had nobody back. And I mean, at that stage, I was I was actually shouting at Dylan, at Dylan to, to kick it into the left-hand corner because I saw, obviously, there was a lot of space. And if I remember correctly, I saw a hooker and a, and a loose forward in front of me. So I knew, obviously, I could outpace them. 
So I was just shouting at him, kick it to the left corner, kick it to the left corner. But with the whole Newlands vibe and everything was very chaotic, very loud. I'm, I'm not sure whether he heard me. He probably heard my voice or something. But I remember him just saying that um, at that stage, we both played in the same like green Nike neon boots. And um, he just remember when he caught the ball, he could see in his peripheral vision that I'm there in support. And all he just thought was he's just going to flick it, obviously, just so, and, you know, just hope for the best, basically. And everything worked out, obviously, perfectly, that as he flicked it, I was running a proper supportive line, and that's when I just went and, and scored. But afterwards, we both were like, obviously, proper Afrikaans was brought over sick. <laughs> that was sick. And um, I mean, we we used we I mean we had a thing back then at the Stormers um, where we actually used to do like drills where they just we we call it like a circus because then we were just like you'll bump into each other but you'll be offloading here and you'll be throwing there and it's just like you're pissing around basically in the session in that small like window but it's basically just creating awareness of expecting anything to come your way and being very switched on like it can yeah it can pop yeah it can pop there because i mean a lot of guys a lot of players bunching around fl flicking it and throwing it and doing stupid stuff um so you just needed to expect it in any in any way whatsoever so i mean uh yeah luckily dylan knew i got his back and he knew that i would be more or less close behind him and yeah i mean it yeah it's i'm very fortunate to have been in that position you mentioned sick. <laughs> you mentioned mate. I genuinely, when 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 you said yes to coming on, it was one of the first things that popped into my mind because it, it stands out. And if you ever hear Keegan talk about some of the tries he scored in high school, he'll tell you they were all absolutely identical. And uh, <laughs> no, he's done a great job. They were, they were all sick, but I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Just, I, yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned you mentioned some of the, some of the, some of the players you played with there, obviously um, for that Sharks team and, and the Stormers team that you played with, including yourself, world world class. Um, just looking over the names: Bongio Gundambi, Eben Khaleesi, Cheslin Colby, Dylan Lades. You look at that team, and it was it was absolutely stacked. I suppose the 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 question that that most people will ask, and and one of the questions I want to ask is, who's the best player you think you've ever played with, and who's the best player that you've pl ever played against? Who are the ones that really stand out? Played against, hands down, Dan Carter. It was a mission to play fullback when he was at team, because he just read the game perfectly, and whether you wanted to play chess with him. I mean, he was at sensei level. So, I mean, you had to really be, you really, really had to be switched on because, I mean, once you think you're giving him space there, he's already like a little bit of a step or two ahead of you because you try to sell him that space because you want him to kick into that space so that you can get the ball back and maybe just loft it back. But, I mean, I think obviously Dan Carter was definitely a beast. Um, for defending him was very difficult because, at the back, there's so much space, and I mean, he can he can put it accurately in any position, and you you're all over the show in that sense. Um, McCaw as well was a was an animal in the breakdown. Um, I mean, as as yeah. his reputation runs with it, um, 
I mean, yeah, Sonny Ball was also sick. Um, it was difficult to stop him because, I mean, you the, the, the thing about Sonny Ball that makes him special in a sense was is that you always had to have two guys covering him. And, I mean, rugby is actually a very simple game. It's a numbers game. So you've got two guys keeping one guy busy. That means there's one less guy defending or anything. So, um, I mean, it was it was very... I mean, I've, yeah, I've, 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 I think if I have to run through all the names I've played against and with, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate in the modern game to have played with probably the world's best players. Um, for me, a, a guy that, that stood out hands down, the most naturally gifted player I've ever played with is Franz Stein. Franz Stein is this, he's just on a, it's just a different animal. Just... Mate, we we call him we call him Wormstein, and we always say if Wormstein's available, then you've got to play him because even no, now he's, he's just he was unreal. Just, he was just it was just um, I have to I have to say Frankenstein for me was yeah it was I mean there's a there's a funny story that I always tell the guys that ask me the same question like obviously the 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 young guys or the players ask me that similar question when we're having a beer and talking about life and all the interesting stuff. Um, but I, I remember this, this, this so profoundly. We were, uh, Jake White coached us back then in 2014. And we specifically, I can't remember, I think it was against the Waratahs that we wanted to play. Or so. it, was, it was back then in Super Rugby. And, but we specifically saw if we kick a short kick on the 45 meter and we have uh, Peter Steff chasing on the edge, we're guaranteed we'll win it because the other side they put their locks and everybody quite far back. So if we kick it flat and short, it'll definitely be um, our ball. So in the training, obviously, Pat Lambie was at 10, so I'm standing behind Pat Lambie, and like Pat is trying to kick it. I mean, and he's a bloody, he's an exceptional kicker as well, and he just couldn't hit the spot, if, I, if I'm correct now. Like, he just couldn't hit it, like, on the money. And then Frostein was standing to the right of right of him, and Frostein just says, like, "Come on, Pat, you take the ball and you just drop it here. Boop, he kicks it. He kicks it on the exact same spot, exactly where you want it, on the exact timing, this exact tra- 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 trajectory. Everything was on the money, and I just stood there because he's come on, I want to go home. <laughs> and he stood back, and both me and Pat was just looking at him like." Yeah, okay. And then obviously Pat got it right, but I mean, just like just a flick of a switch, take the ball, boom, puts it on the money, and then stands back and says, That's how you do it. Uh, I think yeah, I think honestly, when it when it comes to Franz Stein, like he's just an absolute machine. Even when you look at that like last British and Irish Lions tour, obviously the man's not uh you know super um slim and as in good shape as he was back in uh, 2007. But he almost just seems like he, he plays professional rugby like a social rugby player. Like he's just always got a smile on his face. He just has fun. And it's like exactly like you say, he just like picks up the ball, come. And like, I just want to go home. Like he, he, I, I he, think, he just I seems think like he's just was, naturally gifted. Yeah, that's the thing. With Fran, I think the thing with Franz Stein is, is he's a very good guy and a, a very good teammate to have. But once he crosses those four lines, it's like a it's like a switch that just goes off in his head, and he's he's just different. It's just like it's it's just a thing that he flicks. It's just like literally, 
we used to joke back then boots on switch on and it's literally like it's like a switch he just flicks and then he's an animal and no, he uh he's an absolute animal at downing beer too um <laughs> what, what a what a man yeah so we we sort of been chatting a lot about uh japan um everything you've just mentioned obviously uh the aspirations of your club becoming top four sort of going a bit off the field Japan is definitely one of um, coming from someone who's sort of traveled around a bit and I love traveling and experiencing new places. What has Japan been like off the field? How have you sort of adapted to the culture? It looks like an absolutely super humbling um, experience, uh, Japan, sort of seeing uh, the the culture. I mean, even in the FIFA World Cup, you have Japanese supporters literally cleaning up the the stadium. You have the the team as well. Once they were knocked out, you know, not not being sour about the loss, but full on spring cleaning the, the change rooms. What has been your experience in in the culture in Japan and living there? Well, yeah, I mean that definitely has to have, is something that that goes into the culture. Um, I think if I'm correct factually, um, like the schools don't have janitors. Like they, the kids actually have to clean the classes themselves. So, I mean, that's the type of thing that gets installed into the culture as self. And I think it's a very like, respectable manner in the sense of like um, when they with cleaning the stadiums and stuff, they actually like that's their way of showing appreciation for the opportunity of participating in like a big sporting event and that. And I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, we where we stay now currently, um, I, I live opposite a train station. Um, it's a little bit loud, but I mean, you get used to it. But I mean, it's literally like I can literally just walk down my flat block now and get on the train and it's 40 minutes and I'm in Tokyo. I mean, so it's it does have its 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 privileges in, in that sense as well. But I mean, we, we do get kept quite, quite hectically busy. To be brutally honest, so I mean, it's definitely like a six six day a week type of vibe. Um, so, but I mean, we do we do get a little bit around here. Um, I normally joke with the guys because I'm I'm not the massive traveler. I'm I'm more the I drive from here to work, work back home. That's me. But I mean, I'm there early in the mornings, and I stay there till late in the afternoons. I mean, my cars. 90% of the time, my car, the last car still standing in the parking lot. And then I'll, I'll bugger off in that sense. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but, I mean, like, Kobus van Dijk and, and Jesse and those guys, they really buy into the culture. I mean, they study the language. They can actually, like, understand it quite well and speak it on a in a social manner and stuff like that. So, they, they really buy into it. Um, I think that's maybe where I... Um, I'm at fault in some sense, um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it does have its privileges. Obviously, I mean, the one th- the one thing we do do here, obviously, is, is play a bit of golf. And I mean, even if you go to like a golf course here, these oaks are committed. I mean, if you you see these oaks rocking up there to just playing a round of golf, they get brother. They are sorted. They are ready to. To, to operate and I mean it just I think it's just a natural thing in their whole like mantra and their culture and how they how they how they do things and you, yeah, you think, mentioned um, 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, in terms of golf, I'm sort of glad that I'm, I'm not a big golfer because I'm just absolutely terrible. I think I'd spend uh, all my weekends with the boys having beers on the golf course. So I'm kind of glad I'm not good yet. But um, I sort of checked in your uh, Instagram bio that you're a bit of an outdoor enthusiast. I can obviously tell by your very African shirt with the Hemsbok and the other antelope <laughs> on there as well. Yeah. Um, sort of with regards to outdoor enthusiasm, what have, what have always been your sort of outdoor activities you're interest, interested in? Is it hiking or uh, hunting, anything like that? And obviously Japan in itself as well, sort of as a follow-up question. I mean, the landscape just looks absolutely stunning in Japan. And how have you, or if you have in your, in your very limited off time, have you been uh, sort of uh, going out and seeing the outdoors there in Japan or? Or how's everything been going? Uh, I think I think um, Africa runs in my blood, to be honest. So I'm more in Africa in, in that vibe, in, in that sense. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't been hectically out or outdoorish that that, that bad year because um, I'm quite I'm quite dedicated to my craft in that sense when it comes to to playing. Yeah, I think once I go to South Africa, it's a different story. Um, but I mean, I always joke. I think if 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 I wasn't playing rugby, I would probably be a game ranger or mm. be fighting in an anti-poaching unit or something like that. Um, I mean, I obviously I do hunt, but I mean that's a different story for a different day because I mean, obviously we've we've got uh, what's the correct word? Um, we've got interesting times uh, that we're facing, and I think that. Um, Trophy hunting and hunting in general is 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 a completely different ball game. Um, so for me, it's a sense of like very sticking to my culture, which is Afrikaans. Um, going out, shooting an animal, actually gathering meat so that I can actually have nutrients to eat, and I mean, make my own biltong, make my own drovers, that type of vibe. I mean, it's not a sense of you going and just simply killing animals for the sake of doing that i mean i mean conservation in general was actually started by hunters that wanted to preserve animals so i think if it wasn't for hunters conservation wouldn't actually be there in that sense um so uh i mean like i said that's yeah. a that's a completely different debate for a different day but i mean for me like i said i'm i'm very, I'm very passionate about uh, wildlife and animals in general. Um, I mean, my go-to is Kruger National Park. That's literally where I switch off and and just relax. But I mean, I'm definitely not scared to to go and do like a four by four trip into Botswana, into that wilderness vibe, into there. That's also the something completely wild and different in its own aspect. But I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I've probably watched every single possible video that is on 4 by 4 ing and uh, um, going to like Botswana or Kalahari or Kruger National Park. So I think I've watched every single one of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big outdoor enthusiast in that sense. Like, I, I like being in nature being in that sense and i mean i just think i just i i'm a in sense of like i like living with with gratitude and i think if we if we're just a little bit more grateful for 
the small things that we get to experience daily. I think even though we we, we all struggles in our own certain personal uh, ways, I mean, every person is different and everybody struggles and has their own battles. But I mean, if we actually just have a little bit more gratitude to the little things that we actually have, I mean, it, it'll, it'll go a long way. Yeah, I think um, definitely no debates there. I'm pretty sure we cut from the same cloth, mate. Um, yeah. I, I do a, a lot of spearfishing as well. So like I'm just always in the ocean. Like obviously it's like a form of hunting as well. You sort of show people the videos of like just this, <laughs> this fish like I, eating a spear. Make no mistake. I was a proper surfer on my day. To make oh, no is Exic, I was a proper oh, surfer on my day. When I when I played at the Kings back in the day, I had a surfboard. I had everything. I was in the ocean surfing. So I've, nice. I've I've all around. I've done it all. Tried it all. Experienced it all. So so trust me. I've I've done all of yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's super sick. I mean, yeah, like for me in 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 itself, like th- that's like most people sort of have that and we'll obviously it's like man you could have like an hour-long conversation about this you know which hopefully in the future we, we we might just have but even like for me it's like the the shooting of the fish and i mean i definitely want to go hunting one day as well like absolute like grew up when i was a kid i used to pretend i was a bloody leopard like crawling on the couches and shit like that you know so it's like i'm an absolute enthusiast but like even that in itself like the the actual like shooting of like a fish is like probably the part that i hate the most you know the the mostly like what you enjoy is just being in nature and for me like when i'm spearfishing and i'm sort of diving down and you sort of have like i've had like sharks and dolphins and even like bloody humpback whales swim up to me you know and it's just like as you say just that gratitude and that gratefulness to be in that presence in that moment like your work is off your mind your um your your friends your family everything's off your mind like when you're out in the wilderness or or in the ocean and that like the only thing you're thinking of is hey i'm part of the food chain right now you know i need to survive you know what i mean and you see these big creatures that sort of like yeah, that's that's sort of like really decrease your size. You know, you feel so small. And I think that's what most people like don't understand. And I mean, the main thing as well, like my golden rule when I have kids one day, it's like, even if it's a spider, if you kill an animal, you're going to eat, you're going to eat that thing. You know what I mean? Like, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So even if you go spearfishing, obviously, you. I mean, we as humans were initially hunter gatherers. So the sense was you as a male, I mean, no pun intended in that sense. I mean, you go out, you gather food for your family or for whoever, but you go out, get the food, and you cook it yourself. And it's the same sense in, in that. I mean, I've I've been in a I've been in a the hunting of well, I've hunted obviously a couple of times, but I've literally been with a group before where we we they, they we shot, I think it was in Parla. And literally, it was a case of taking out the liver. I think Liver King has got nothing on us. <laughs> literally taking out the liver, brying it right there and eating it. Jeez. It's not a sense of like wasting anything in, in that regard. It's literally a sense of like, <laughs> literally, like they're cutting out the liver, boom, put it on the fire. I'm like, okay, it's about to get real. Yeah. SP, no, that's you- awesome. You mentioned the Kings there. Um, obviously, you've had you've had various different coaches over the years. Who would you say is the the best coach you've ever worked with? Who's who's the first name that that kind of comes to mind? Yeah, I, I, like like I said, I think for 
every guy was special in their in their own certain ways and and i was fortunate to learn certain things from certain guys in their own certain ways um um yeah like i said when it comes to attacking rugby i must back my japanese coach he's really he's really he's really on point when it comes to that um uh i mean i've the current chiefs uh, backline coach uh i worked with him uh he was he was a he was actually like just the way the new zealanders look at it to the sense of like us um, and how we look at it, like for instance, like a simple, like a simple story is that I remember back in the day they I made one or two mistakes, um, so they were quite ba- banging me on the two mistakes I made. But then he was came with a completely different view and was like, "Listen, yeah, if this guy carries ten balls a game and he makes eighty percent." of the time gain line for you and crosses whatever he, he has to do for you. Why won't you, why won't you add it? Now you're concerned about the 20% that's a little bit faulty. I mean, he's still doing 80% of the other stuff. Um, Espy, um, you're, you're now obviously, I think you're, you're 34. Hopefully I've not rounded that up. And we're seeing a, a trend of players kind of playing and staying on the pitch until almost 40. What does the the future look like for yourself? And once you do hang up the boots, are you planning on on picking up the coach's clipboard, or or is it a completely different direction you're, you're um, going in? Yeah, for me, I I don't think there's there's any um, what's the word now? If 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 I, I, I was put in the Afrikaans translation that if I get to that gate, I'll open that gate. I'm not at that gate yet, so I'm not yeah. really fussed about that gate. For me, it's a case of definitely not slowing down um i mean i think with with age you also gain a lot of experience and i mean uh, i know how my body works a lot better now i i mean i understand it a little bit more i know what works for me what doesn't work for me um i mean yeah i think that like i said coming to japan it's completely different. You think you're gonna come here and you're gonna relax in that sense, like the, like like you guys also said. But I mean, once you yeah, it's it's something completely different. These guys are buying a product. They want this product to perform a certain uh, attribute, and you need to give that attribute to for what they're buying. And I mean, I mean, everybody wants to come to Japan. So it's extremely difficult to come here and get in here. So if you're not switched on and you're not in your A game, I mean, they just simply get rid of you. It's as simple as that. So, I mean, the pressure is a lot higher here. You actually think that it's like chilled and relaxed. It's it's 20 times more pressure here than what, I, what I've experienced in anywhere, in any uh, time frame of my career at all. Um, so for me... Um, yeah, I, I don't have any any plans of slowing down. Um, how my plans will look for the future is, yeah, I'd actually, I'd, I'd really consider going back to URC um, in future and, 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 and take that on and see how that goes. Um, obviously, with everything, with all the knowledge and experience I've gained here, taking that across that side. Um, because, I really hope um, I really hope John Dobson's listening. Dobbo, I, I <laughs> hope you're listening. It's unlikely, but come on. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, Dobbo is a uh, is a extremely good coach. 
Um, so I would love to go back and and work with with Dobbo again and and Norman Laker and 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 Davy Snyman. They they all like the three musketeers. They are unreal. They 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 power they they power deal. So um, yeah, for, for currently I'm still in Japan. Um, I'll probably be here again next season going in. Um, so next season, yeah, I'll I'll I don't. I'll see how it goes. I've got another year on my contract um, left here. So what happens next year is for next year. But I mean, I'm I'm a very big Zlatan Ibrahimovic fan. So um, I'm a very big fan. And I mean, he's 41, still playing in the Italian A-League. And I mean, he's got no, no reason of like stopping. And I mean, I feel exactly the same way. In that sense, um, I mean, I don't have to. I mean, I'm not going to go take out an article for the LA Times and just thank them for you've <laughs> been Zlatan or anything like that. I don't think I'm that that confident. Um, but I mean, um, I don't think there's a there's a time frame. I mean, if I get bad or if I get if I really feel like I'm not at at the top point of performing, then maybe that's a different kettle of fish. But for me. There's definitely no way of like slowing down or or anything in in, in that sense. I'll go as as long as I can, as as much as I can. And yeah, you know, like I said, I would I would enjoy going back to Cape Town and and going back to the Stormers and experiencing uh, the URC for what it is now. Um, yeah, I think that that would that would also be a great challenge again. But for now, I'm I'm in Japan and I'm committed to Cannon Eagles and I'm committed into growing them, um, becoming a better union and becoming a better team and in, in general. So um, hopefully in the years to come, um, I can be able to say that I've actually helped them lift the trophy or uh, win the top league. I mean, that's obviously the ultimate ultimate goal and ultimate deal. So, yeah, like I said earlier, when we started chatting, um, when I came here four years ago, um i remember the 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 guy that um that normally like does all i won't say does all like contracting or anything like that but he helps us get this side uh how can i say the talent scout in that sense and i remember us sitting in a meeting that time um and he said please help us become top four and um i said no i, I will i will try my best and i'm just happy that we are basically there in that sense. So having paid a proper contribution into helping them better, obviously it's not a a, a thing we added on myself. It was a process in the years coming through, working through. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm happy that we are in the top four. I'm happy that we're able to play in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, like I said, the ultimate goal will be to win the top league and be able to say that I've I've come here and 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 helped a team that was I won't say like in better terms maybe Griffins or Griquas or something like that and help them grow and establish themselves into being a proper serious uh, team and a serious union. And um, I mean that's that's unreal that the, the fact that you, that was that was what. What what you were asked or, or what was posed to you and and you're set to, to go higher and further than that it, it's a testament to to you as a player and and clearly um the culture that's happening at, at Canon at the moment is is where it needs to be and 
hopefully at the end of the year you you end up lifting the the, the trophy and obviously you you've settled into the culture clear, clearly quite well what's what's your japanese like have you have you got the language down are you are you pretty much fluent no, 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 not at all. I mean, I think the Japanese players also laugh at my my um, Nyongo. They they actually laugh quite often. When it when it comes to on the pitch and on the rugby field, I can speak Japanese and I can call this call the stuff and speak to them in their own language. But when it comes to off the field, it's quite a difficult language to 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 understand. And I don't think I'm I'm on I'm on that level. As of yet, I mean, I I can I can order food if I have to. <laughs> that's that's about that's about as as far as it goes on on the pitch. Hundred percent. I mean, I play with um, Yu Tamura. That was the Japanese fly off for um, Japan in twenty ten, and he's an extremely extremely skillful player. Really, really skillful player. I mean, he he lofts it on both feet whether he decides what he wants. He literally will put it on the right foot to put it there if he wants to. If he puts it on the left foot, he'll put it there like he wants to. He's a, he's a very skillful player. So, I mean, we work a, a lot adjacent to each other, obviously, as the 10-15 always does. So, I mean, I'm constantly in his ear speaking to him Japanese on the field and telling him do that, do that. Or if I see the space, obviously, my, my view is a little bit better than his. So, yeah, on the field, my Japanese, I'll, I'll back my Japanese on the field. But um, off also, that, not so much. It's a different game. Um, SB, so obviously, from, from myself and Stiegs, massive good luck for the rest of the season. Really, really excited to, to see where, where, where things go. Um, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you in the, the blue and white hoops or, or the Stormers, Stormers top in, in the next year or two. Um, I think that would be that would be great for us and hopefully a few more few more memories to be made. And thank you very much for coming on. You're clearly a very hardworking, hardworking rugby player and, and you've got great knowledge of the game and and, and thanks for, for sharing your story with us. No, no, thank you guys for having me. Uh it's it's nice having a little bit of a a little bit of a chat and a little bit of a banter about um what we, we try and do as professional players. Um, so yeah, thank you for the for having me on and for giving me the opportunity to have a chat with you guys. Steaks, what what a guy, what a great guest, SP Marais. Um, really long interview there, but but one that I think has provided a lot of insight into his life, his career, what what playing in Japan is like, and certainly it's it's done away with any misconceptions as to how tough it is playing in the top league. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that that insight alone. Um, for a lot of South Africans will be extremely interesting. Um, just the, the, the whole thing about uh, Japan and especially what stuck out to me the most was how emphasis, like his emphasis on the Japanese coach that he has at the moment and how knowledgeable he is, which is a huge sign for things to come with the Japanese rugby. Um, but honestly, really, really stoked with that, um, that interview. It went on for so long, but honestly, the chat was amazing. And uh, it went on to so long that it's it's nighttime now and I've changed. <laughs> <laughs> we had to finish the podcast later in the day. Unfortunately, Scott and myself are not full-time podcasters yet, but we are bringing you the best guest possible anyway, anyhow. So make sure to stay tuned and let us know what future guests you want to hear. Absolutely. And talking about the future, it's a great segue into to the future of the Curry Cup and this weekend's fixtures. Um, 
let's let's get through those lions and the pumas. Surely pumas are the favourites despite their rocky performance last week. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Cheetahs and the Griffins. I'm, I'm going to back the Cheetahs to bounce back here. I think they, they only had one other loss leading into the province game, and, and this will be, have been their second, maybe their third over the over the weekend. Any thoughts on that, or do we think the Griffins are, are going to continue their downward trajectory? No, the, the, the Griffins are going to come back. They're going to put 80 points on the board. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just taking the piss. <laughs> no, shame, man. No, no, no. Honestly, I think, um, yeah, Cheetahs are just going to be a bit too strong. We're going to have my sort of uh, favorite of the Cheetahs team at the moment, Mafura, coming in strong. I think he's going to, he's going to, I'm actually going to call it, he's going to have uh, two tries and one of them is going to be an excellent finish. Right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take, take that back. Take take that away from from the podcast, and nobody use that as uh, as any sort of insight for betting ways. Because as much as we run a rugby podcast, we are not rugby experts. Steeg's Sharks versus the Griquas. I, I I reckon the Sharks are going to continue their winning ways. The only th- the only question hanging up or, or hanging around that game for me would be: Do the Sharks go into that fully loaded? Or do they do they let it let let the players who played over the weekend against Monster rest and and get them off to to Bel- but I say but Belfast Dublin a little bit earlier so that they can they can prep to play Leinster. I think um, personally, the team that the Sharks have in the Curry Cup at the moment have more than enough firepower to be very competitive, if not. Um, Definitely have a not a convincing win, but sort of be in that driver's seat uh, like they were um, this last weekend and and get a win off Griquas. I don't see the necessity to bring in the big guns against the Griquas, especially with came against Leinster away. These guys need a rest. They already have injuries. The last thing you want, I mean, you you never want to say, okay, don't play rugby, so we could so you don't get injured. You got to play rugby, but it is a bit of a a, a silly game to put your your firepower into and potentially have even more injuries against a team like Leinster. Yeah. And then the the game of the weekend for me, because to me, this is a bit twofold. You've got province versus the Bulls. That's the most interesting fixture in, in my opinion. And that's given the Bulls play the Stormers a week later in the URC iteration of, of, of this kind of match. That's in the quarterfinals of the URC. Do the Bulls and the, do the Bulls and Province go into that fully stacked or play their cards close to their chest? We saw last year that the Bulls came in with with a, a slightly over strengthened Curry Cup team to play the Stormers, to play the Province rather, and then the following week they lost the Stormers in the final. Do we think they rejig that or do they go with the same formula? I personally think the Stormers will maybe give a couple of their boys a rest. Possibly bring Dion Free back if he's fit and available, and Leland Zass back and he's fit and available into the province team just to give him some game time and game conditioning ahead of then the, the following week in, in the URC. Not sure what your thoughts are, Stiggs. Yeah, I think um, exactly how our conversations have gone, even with Dion Free in that first episode, is we are getting used to these formats with so many different tournaments. And I think if we look at the top dogs like a Leinster, um, you've got to take into consideration and it sounds bad, but you've got to weigh up tournaments. What's more important to win at the end of the day? And I think the Curry Cup, as much as we are, it seems like it's a sort of trend on this podcast, like we're not really sure about it, but um, we, we love the Curry Cup. It's an amazing tournament, 
But if you're being realistic, you'd much rather win the URC and have those wins over other international teams as opposed to the Curry Cup. Curry Cup is very important, obviously, but the URC is just that game. And especially, like you say, the Stormers coming on a bit of a shaky um, sort of last few weeks and the Bulls coming on such a strong last few weeks. The Bulls don't want to lose like they lost last year and the Stormers... um, sure as hell want to get back into those winning ways and win the URC two years in a row and defend that title. I don't see both teams um, sort of loading those um, Curry Cup squads whatsoever. I think what's really interesting to talking about weighing up competitions, URC, you make a fair bit of money from in terms of prize money. The, the higher up you, you end, the more money you get for the following year, sponsorships, etc. The one thing that we, we've maybe not really mentioned is province and, and Stormers, Western province rugby as a whole, they're in administration at the moment. They're completely bankrupt. So as a, as a franchise trying to pull itself right, they're certainly going to prioritize the the one that's going to make them the most money and and put them slightly further forward. And with that, that being our closing thought for the week, uh, not a depressing one, but a slightly more somber one. Hopefully the rest of the podcast was, was slightly, slightly happier. Shout out to SP Marais fantastic guest and and an all-round great guy and uh shout out to you steve hopefully you're you're not in for a too boozy a night tonight and uh we'll we'll see what the weekend holds in terms of the curry cup we will catch you guys next week thank you guys so much for listening